Hey everybody, welcome to the 21 Minutes or Less podcast. I'm Keisha Molana. And I am Nakia Smith. And today we are going to get into the art of humiliating Black women and the market of it and the business of it and the culture of it. So I think that, you know, that's something that is really normalized now that I didn't even realize it until I I watched the video you sent me on YouTube about it. Um, I think that, you know, once she brought it to to the forefront, I definitely understand how, you know, it has become so ingrained in black culture and just social media culture that it's hard to spot unless you have someone to call out that bias. So I was really glad that I actually watched the whole video on YouTube. Yes. So I came across this, the Sheila Marie page. Um, she talked about this on her um, Instagram. And, you know, she is really huge on talking about relationships and women and how we relate um, to one another and how we should you know, value each other and support one another as women, specifically Black women. She is <laughs> unapologetic about who her audience is. Um, so when I saw that she posted that, I was like, hmm, there is something to really think about because, like you said, it's so ingrained in our culture that we do it subconsciously because that's all we kind of know. And what I'm finding out is basically we out here bullying each other. (laughs) Like, you know, we always look at shows or we talk about like kids in school and how they shouldn't bully. But as grown adults every day, We are bullying one another with our words and bullying one another because of a mistake that was made or anything of that nature. And I had the opportunity um, in graduate school to read an excerpt from a book called Black Feminist Thought. It's um, Knowledge, Consciousness, and the Politics of Empowerment by Patricia Hill Collins. And she has a specific chapter, chapter four, about mammies, patriarchs, and other controlling images. So what we don't realize is that how we feel about one another, things that we say to one another, has been ingrained in us through media. And um, she talks about four controlling images that are placed in the media, which is one, the mammy to the matriarch, three, welfare mother, and then four, the Jezebel or the Hoochie. So when she broke it down, and I can go into depth a little later, but when she broke it down, it all made sense because I, it materializes when you see on social media and when you see women and men constantly at war with one another and the things that they say about each other so what are your thoughts Keisha thank you first of all who did you say posted this on that that sparked this 
Um, the Sheila Marie. Okay, cool. She's sparking all this this conversation and thought. But, you know, I definitely think that it's like a men and women battling each other on social media all the time. And there's so many different negative images that they try to portray specifically for Black women. Like, the first negative image I've seen for the um, whites was the Karen thing. But before that, when have we ever seen any type of negative image portrayed to white women, you know? Um, and then even with like, you know, brown skinned women, Latinas, etc., they try to portray them as like more sexualized, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's always something negative, you know? And then the men, they are hurting it just by contributing to the the culture of, you know, they spread in negative stuff about women all the time and trying to spark conversation ab- amongst other black men or any type of men righteously about women and do is a woman a hoe if she sleep with this many men or mm-hmm. you know would you let your girl leave the house looking like this it just be so much random stuff and it's like what is this even like why can't women just be like unapologetically them, especially black women? We always got to be somebody like they, like you said, somebody mama. We got to be the auntie. Like we always portray as something like not, not always that we want to be portrayed as. And it's like, even when we try to be unapologetic about it, it's like we complaining or we being angry black women. So it's like we yeah. just constantly in a state of, like how what what am I to do and I think we are very hard on each other as well I think now more recently I even say in the past three four years it's been like a more of a movement to try to uplift black women but before then no (laughs) yes I totally agree and then the the term that I always hear associated with black women is being strong like you are a strong black woman it's kind of like yeah because you have to be a strong black woman if we had a choice do you think we want to be strong black women do you don't you think we want to be able to embrace our femininity and be soft and you know (laughs) that doesn't just mean having our nails and hair done like actually being soft being able to be around people and feel protected, supported, loved, you know, cared for, those things, um, provided for without having to be called a gold digger. You know, I'm just, it's just so much that go into it. Yes, they don't want us to live a life of luxury. They don't want us to live a life of freedom, sexual expression. And it's crazy because men they do the same exact stuff and then it's okay or white people do the same stuff and it's okay so I feel like being a black woman you have to be very you have to be strong because you're getting it from both angles it's like you already at a disadvantage in two different ways within America at least and then if you poor that's automatically another thing and then don't let you be LGBTQ too it's like you have just so many things against you that is like that just make you more and more and more resilient to where you got to be strong and you got to display this because people going to try to get over on you the more and more they think they can. 
So you got to make sure you're looking out for you. And that's why we got to look out for each other because nobody else going to look out for us. Like these companies, most of the time, not, you know, they say they value diversity and inclusion and equity and et cetera. But, you know, when you look at most of the top companies and who at the heads of them is you're nine times out of 10, you're not going to see a black woman. And if you do, it's a publicity stunt because something that happened within their company, now they have to make amends and look forgiving. And it's, it's never because we feel she's qualified. It's always an afterthought or because something happened, now we need to do this. Yes, and they don't want to pay us either. Even though, you know, um, I just seen something... It's like this page that reports on, you know, influencer income. And they, mm-hmm. you know, they have a pretty big following. That's like a, a very credible source. They get like anonymous stuff and they do surveys and stuff and they try to put out transparent information. So they said the top three white influencers, they asked everybody they um top three highest paying, you know, post or whatever. The top mm-hmm. three highest paid white people were 175000 the top three highest paid black people was like thirteen fifty. Wow. That's crazy. And I'm glad you brought this up because this gets into the first controlling image that is in this book, which is the mammy. So I'm just going to read an excerpt from it. It says, the first controlling image applied to U.S. black women is that of the mammy the faithful, obedient, domestic servant created to justify the economic exploitation of house slaves and sustained to explain Black women's longstanding restriction to domestic service. The mammy image represents the normative yardstick used to evaluate all Black women's behavior by loving, nurturing, and caring for her white children and family better than her own. The mammy symbolizes the dominant group's perceptions of the ideal black female relationship to elite white male power. So in the slaves times or, you know, when slavery was here, black women served as, you know, servants, maids, and took care of, you know, their owner's children Mm-hmm. To the point where they neglected their own children. And then that's when you start getting that the systematic domino effect and repercussions of slavery. The neglect, the depression, the then I'm not connected to my family type thing because I have to take care of their family. And you kind of see that now when it comes to mothers who are single, they can't really be at home like they want to because they have to be at work. They have to take care of their kids. And the kids are at school majority of the day, and then when they come home, you know, they may have a little time to spend with their parents or, you know, to talk to them. But for majority of the time, they're at school getting again that education or whatever like that but it just goes to show you that black women in general have always worked <laughs> period um and then 
like the luxury of being a housewife like what is that I mean you see it now but to make ends meet women black women in general have always worked period alongside their husband or alongside their partner because like you said that equality is not there when it comes to pay so if I'm not getting paid and then my husband not getting paid both of us will have to work so we can make ends meet and put our money together you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying and then if we both work it who take care of the kids that's a good question who be taking care of y'all kids out there <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't got no kids. But I be wondering the same thing. Like, how do y'all be having all these kids? Or righteously, a lot of people have, like, two kids by now at our age. Like, how do y'all be having these kids and these jobs and these businesses? Like, I salute y'all because that's a lot. Especially just some people, single black moms doing it, you know? And they doing it all by themselves and getting it done. So I wonder, like, where does that balance come in with actually spending time? Because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, still maybe put them in some after school stuff and, you know, go support their games and stuff like that. But actually spending time on a consistent basis. I feel like COVID probably helped with that. That was probably one of the good effects that more people got to be at home with their kids. But I feel like that's the issue because now they still got to be now they got to be teachers, too. It's like black women got to do so much for real. In in the text, it also says, assuming that Black poverty in the United States is passed on intergenerationally via the values that parents teach their children, dominant ideologies suggest that Black children lack the attention and care allegedly lavished on white middle-class children. Of course. So it's kind of like that economic inequality. Because they our parents can't afford babysitters. They be having other kids that watch their kids. Like, that's what they be doing. Mm-hmm. Other people, they be getting nannies and, you know, they don't, they don't, or they can afford daycare. Most black people, not even flexing, I'm sure they have some help from their families. Like, they have to probably depend on that support. So if you don't have that, it's probably like 10 times harder to just succeed in life, you know, and Absolutely. be a black woman on top of that. So it's like, even if you got a job, you probably make it less. Listen. <laughs> it's, we already understand that at this point. That's why you see a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs and trying to make their own way. Because it's kind of like, you aren't going to give me what I deserve. So let me go out here and find it myself. Period. That's the only way anybody can do it. Like, you're going to max out at any company. And it's just like, you know, if you don't want to consistently make that, if you want your quality of life to be higher, you're going to need a higher check consistently as you get older. So I feel like everybody should have a business, you know, because everybody probably think like, oh, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. But maybe you have a preconceived notion about what an entrepreneur is. Some people like, oh, I don't want to do everything by myself. Like. Well, maybe you need to be an entrepreneur that outsources or some people like, well, I don't know um, how to do all the sales stuff and I don't know how to do marketing. Like maybe you need to get someone Mm -hmm. that does marketing. Like 
if it's not your expertise, you can always alter it. Some people probably feel like I don't want to be the one having to ship out all this stuff. Like maybe you need to do drop mm-hmm. shipping. You know, it's so many different ways to be an entrepreneur now that you don't even got to leave your house. That's why I feel like you see this influx of influencers. Like people like, wow, wait, hold up. Y'all getting paid to post? Y'all getting free stuff? Like, why wouldn't I want to do this when I know this could grow my brand to grow another business as well? You know, like that's why you see a lot of people being coaches. You know, they starting to get smart and say, hold up. I can have a business without having any startup costs. Everybody got a phone. That's all you need to be a coach, a phone. Literally, that's it. You can make your marketing materials on Canva. You could promote yourself on social media, a website, run it off from your phone. You could get on Zoom and do your calls. You could do the same thing with Instagram and social media and blogging and posting. Like People are seeing that it's easier ways to do stuff. That's why you see a lot of people getting into crypto. A lot of people getting into investing because we trying to work smarter, not harder. And I feel like our generation specifically has a huge advantage because we are, we understand the value of technology. Like we get it. We know Mm -hmm. it's going to save us time, effort, energy. It's more so the older people that want to do things traditional ways and not maximize, you know? Right. And I'm glad you brought up all of that because Again, that goes back to the woman being strong or being independent because now, you know, we consider ourselves bosses and things like that, which leads us to the second controlling image, which is a matriarch. So it says one source of the matriarch's failure is her inability to model appropriate gender behavior. Thus, labeling Black women unfeminine and too strong works to undercut U.S. Black women's assertiveness. Many U.S. Black women who find themselves maintaining families by themselves often feel that they have done something wrong. If only they were not so strong, some some reason, they might have found a male partner or their sons would not have had much trouble with the law. Okay, yeah, I have this business now. Yeah, I'm single and I have these kids, but am I not worthy to have a partner because of that? Mm. Am I not worthy to be married because of that? Like, I've seen some clips where I don't want to say his name, but where people will call this man and try to get advice for him about their relationship. And he will literally break them down because of their age and because they have kids and because of how much they weigh or what they may look like or stuff like that. I'm like, what value are you putting on yourself to make you feel not worthy of something as simple as love? And does those things really matter when it comes to love and finding a partner? I, I know your answer. I know you like, yes. <laughs> you said, does finances but matter it, when it, it comes to love? Even from a woman perspective. No. In general, not just finances, having kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like marriage is like a contract it's like you get what you negotiate or what you want like you get what you want and then you have to negotiate your demands kind of so 
Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, we place all these things as value in order to feel worthy of having love. That's why I said said that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I feel like everybody want to have that, that fairy tale ending, you know? Like, that's what we socialize from a young age to want and to see. And, you know, even all the Disney princesses, most of them got booze or some kind of love interest. Like, we just, it's socialized right. in us to want that. So I think a lot of, you know, women are wanting that. And then they're realizing that, wait, if I'm going to get the type of man that I want, I need to be that type of woman. And which means I got to grind and make sure that I can be that type of woman. So that I can make sure that I, you know, I'm I'm having stuff that's too. Tr- that's, I'm the best version of me. Yes, that's true. But the misconception that women have is that we feel like having material things and all these things is going to attract a partner. But in reality, that's not what men are looking for. That's they don't care about what we have. They don't care about none of that. They care about can you cook? Do you clean? Uh, do you smell nice? Are you kind? Like, are you affectionate? Do you, you know, do you upkeep yourself? Like, those are the things that they care about. They don't care about how much money we make or how much education that we have. Just based off the stuff that I see on social media, like when men ask women what they bring to the table, and a woman say her education and how much money and, and they be they be laughing like that ain't what we looking for so it's kind of like in order to attract your mate men have to understand what women want and then women have to understand what men want i agree i think that's true but to a certain extent i i also disagree like i'm both sided because i get what you're saying and i understand like some men might not want you to have money if they got money. That's understandable. But also, just as a woman, it's like, if you don't have nothing, it's like, what are you you going to wait until you just find a man who interested? Like, no, you need to be working towards whatever you you going to have, regardless of whether a man come or not. I know our audience probably thinking, what does this have to do with self-care? I mean, self-love is a big part of self-care. And we are discussing this because majority of our listeners are Black women. And this is something that we are constantly seeing and we promote self-care, loving yourself, taking care of yourself. But that can be hard when you constantly see negative images of yourself being plastered everywhere. That can be definitely hard. It could play on your mental health. It could play on your self-esteem. It could play on how you feel about yourself and your worth. So I felt the need or we felt the need to discuss something that we feel that is a problem within our community. Period. Make sure y'all go follow us on social media at 21 Minutes or Less on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And then you can follow our personal pages. Mine is at Keisha Milana. And mine is at Miss Butterfly 21. And we'll see y'all on the next episode.